Shalom and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com and our study of Sefer Dvarim. My name is Menachem Liptag. Today we continue our study of Pashat Ekev, Shur number 2 out of 6. In today's Shur we will be studying chapter 8, verses 1 through 20. Even though this is one chapter and one primary topic, it does divide into several smaller sections. In the first five psukim, Moshe Rabbeinu will be reminding the people about how difficult their experience in the desert was for the last 40 years. Then, in verses 6 through 10, he'll explain to the people how great and beautiful and wonderful the land of Israel is going to be. And then, in verses 11 through 18, he's going to warn them about the dangers of prosperity in the land of Israel. And finally, in the last two verses, one final warning about serving other gods. In our study today, we will see how all these sections all relate to one primary topic. But before we do that, one short word of introduction, and that is a possibly bold assumption, but I think it's logical, that Sefer Tvarim assumes that its audience, or its readers, is aware of the stories in Sefer Breshit. We already saw this in yesterday's share, where I tried to explain that when Sefer Tvarim uses the word Ekev, it assumes the reader is aware of the story of the Akedah. And when I read Parshat Ekev, especially between chapter 7 and 8, which begins with Ekev Tishmun and ends with Ekev Lo Tishmun, one of the underlying themes of this entire section will be the background from Akedat Yitzchak, where that is the first and primary time where God said, in the context of an oath of a Shavuah to Avram Avinu in relation to not only inheriting the land and conquering it, but also the blessing of prosperity in the land, having a lot of children and being a successful nation. For example, we explained that in that context, Ekev doesn't imply that if you keep these mitzvot, God will reward you with prosperity and conquering the land, but rather God will help you conquer the land and bless you with prosperity in order to enable you to keep the mitzvot. And therefore, if you don't have the right attitude and you don't want to keep the mitzvot, there's no reason for God to help you conquer the land nor bless you with prosperity. The key point that we discussed in yesterday's year was that Moshe Rabbeinu has to emphasize to the people, we are not serving God in order to be rewarded. The reward is not the goal. The reward is a vehicle towards fulfilling the goal of the covenant. Another example that we saw earlier in Sefer Tvarim is the use of the phrase Goy Gadol. Recall back in Parshat Vedchanan, in chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, Moshe Rabbeinu explained to the people that should you keep these mitzvot, that will sanctify God in the eyes of the other nations. And they will say, Ki mi goy gadol asher lo elim So we see that Moshe Rabbeinu uses the concept of Goy Gadol that God promises Abraham Avinu, not as reward for obedience, for making aliyah, but rather the purpose of his aliyah, not being blessed with a great nation that's numerous. Remember God said earlier that I didn't choose you because you're the most numerous of all the nations. You're a small nation, but you will have a great influence. And in that sense, God's promise of Abraham Avinu to be a Goy Gadol is the purpose of his covenant. And Moshe Rabbeinu is explaining, now that we're a nation and we're conquering the land, he's reminding them, remember the purpose of why you're chosen, and that will motivate you to keep the mitzvot properly. In today's show, we're going to be discussing another phrase, because it comes up now for the very first time in Sefer Dvarim. It's called Lalechet Bedarche Hashem, or Lalechet Bidrachav. It doesn't come up too often in Sefer Dvarim. It comes up in today's study for the first time. It will come up three more times in Sefer Dvarim, however, each time in a very key position. And in our study today, we will try to explain why Moshe Rabbeinu mentions this phrase, Lalechet Bidrachav, to go in God's ways. Why is he specifically mentioning that phrase now? in the context of chapter 8 and the dangers of prosperity in the land of Israel. So with this in mind, let's begin our study with chapter 8, verse 1, Parachet Pasuk Aleph. Kol ha-mitzvah, 
אשר אנוכים מצווך היום תשמרו לעשות. משה now begins this new topic, saying this מצווה, which we explain many times, is the מצווה section that began in chapter 6 and continues to chapter 11. We're smack in the middle of the המצווה section, and we explain that that is about our attitude and our love of God and fear of God. So Moshe reminds them that this mitzvah that I'm commanding you today, make sure to keep this mitzvah and to do it. Laman tichyun urvitem, in order that you remain alive or survive, and also multiply and be prosperous. Uvatem virishtem et aretz, then you will come and inherit or conquer the land. Asher nishba Adonai lavotechem, the land that Hashem has sworn to your forefathers. Recall the idea of shvuah, the first time we had the word oath, our forefathers was in the story of the Akedah, as we discussed in yesterday's shir. Here again, Moshe Rabbeinu uses that phrase, the land that God swore to our forefathers. As we've noted several times, everything from chapter 6, verse 4, from Shema Yisrael, up until this point, are instructions and warnings and encouragement that Moshe is giving the people that could have been said 40 years ago. And we explained that it was said 40 years ago to the first generation as they prepared to leave Har Sinai and enter the land. However, that generation sinned, and now Moshe Rabbeinu is repeating what he told the first generation, teaching this one last time, because this is Mishneh Torah, these are laws and instructions that need constant repetition, because they're about our very core attitude to God. Now, for the first time, Moshe is going to say something which is not a repeat from something he said 40 years ago, it'll be something new to this generation as it relates to their experience, as we will see now in verse 2 in Pasuk Bet. Now you must remember the entire way or the entire journey that Hashem your God has led you for these last 40 years in the desert. Now it's clear he's talking to the new generation and only to them. In order to afflict you or give you hardships, to test you. We are going to return to both of these words very soon. In order for God to know that what is in your heart, will you keep his commandments or not? Moshe Rabbeinu is explaining to the generation who's been suffering through difficult life in the desert for the last 40 years, he's trying to explain to them that there was a purpose in this suffering and they should understand it as an educational experience. Keep this in mind as we continue. Now in verse 3, Pasugimo. V'ya'anacha v'ya'rivecha. Again, he afflicted you, and he starved you. Ra'av means to be starved or not have what to eat. And he fed you the manna, a type of food that you never heard of. You did not know what it was. Nor did any of your parents or forefathers ever hear of such type of food. In order to let you know or make you aware, that man does not live only for bread or for food. But rather, man survives and lives or based on God's decisions and God's provisions. Here again, we find some key words that we found earlier in Sefer Breshit. First, the word inui, which means to afflict or to give hardship. We found that again in Brit Ben Tarim, in the Covenant of the Parts, where God told Avram Avinu in chapter 15, verse 13, that he needs to know that his offspring are going to be strangers in someone else's land, and they're going to be afflicted and enslaved over a period of some 400 years. And again, we will see through Sefer Devarim that that affliction and that suffering is going to be turned into an educational experience because God's going to remind them, remember your slavery, how you were mistreated, 
and do not do that to others. And in the next chapter in Sefer Breshit, in chapter 16, Sarah became angry with Hagar's behavior. And then we're told, that Sarah afflicted her. And Hagar ran away. And then when the angel of God meets Hagar and tells her to return, in verse 9 in chapter 16, return to Sarah and accept that affliction underneath her. The angel explains to Hagar, even though it will be difficult, ultimately it will be for your good and for the good of your child, because from this child there will be great blessing, he'll become a nation, and he'll be fruitful and he will multiply. So notice here, Hamoshe is using the same word of affliction and is calling the experience in the desert, which was very difficult, as a type of a hardship, but a hardship that carries an educational message, a hardship that one can learn from. The next word we find is l'nasotcha, to test you. Of course, the first time we have the word nisayon is in Akedat Yitzchak. Again, from Sefer Breshit, chapter 22, there in the introduction to that story, Chumash tells the reader, Hashem was testing Abraham Avinu, but in Nisayon is a very important word we'll see in Chumash, because we'll see it also in Sefer Shemot in the story with Amana that Moshe Rabbeinu is clearly referring to in the next line, that in Nisayon is a test that someone goes through to make him who he is. If you're familiar with Yiddish, it's what they call a Nisayon, which is a difficult life experience that even though you may suffer from it and it's very hard, it's something you can learn from and make you a better person. Therefore, when Moshe says, Laman anotcha in order to afflict you, to test you, Ladat Moshe is explaining to the people that your difficulties and suffering in the desert was for an educational purpose, and Moshe wants to emphasize that this educational lesson is something you need as you're going to face many challenges now when you come to the land of Israel. In regard to verse 3, there's a very interesting argument among the commentators about how to punctuate this verse. Let's return to the beginning of verse 3. Moshe explains to the people what happened in the desert. He afflicted you and starved you. Then And then he fed you the man. Some commentators put a comma between each of these three. That is, he gave you many hardships. In addition to that, he also made you go hungry. And number three, he gave you lousy food. He gave you food that was difficult to eat, that didn't taste good. For example, Chizkuni explains, He made you hungry, and he only gave you enough food one day at a time. He says that the words that he starved you and gave you the man is an explanation of how he starved you. And Ramban goes in a similar direction in his first explanation, in his commentary to Pasuk Bet, saying that part of the suffering was eating man. Ebenezer, on the other hand, says quite the opposite. He says, He afflicted you on the way. He made you hungry before he gave you the man. And then he gave you the man after you were hungry. I want to explain why that is a totally different approach and how it will help us understand the word Nisayon. Allow me to clarify. If you go back to chapter 16 in Sefer Shemot, the nation of Israel was traveling as they left Egypt. It was a month after they left and they ran out of food. They arrive in Midbar Sin, and we were told in the beginning of chapter 16, when they arrive in Midbar Sin, there's no food to eat. We are going to read from chapter 16 in Shemot, verse 3, to see the word Ra'av, to make it crystal clear that when Moshe says, he made you hungry, it's referring to the story. B'nei Yisrael said to Moshe and Aaron, It would have been better had we died 
in the hands of God in the land of Egypt, Bishivtenu Asirabasar, when we were still sitting with pots of meat, Bochlenu Lechem Lasova, eating all the bread that we needed, Kihotsetem Otanu Elamidbarhaze, Lamit et Kohakal Hazeb Barab. And now you've taken us out into this desert in order to kill this entire congregation with hunger, with ra'av. So therefore, when Moshe says, Vayarivecha, it's referring to the story of the man. And the final proof is from verse 4 in chapter 16. I'm going to have it rain down for you, bread from heaven. The people will go out and collect every day. In order to test them, pay attention again to the word anaseno, nisayon. In order to test them, will they follow my Torah or not? So it's crystal clear from Shmot chapter 16 that Ra'av, the hunger in the desert, was preparation to receive the man, which supports Ebenezer's understanding of the Psukim in Sefer Devarim. Also, Ramban brings up this possibility in his commentary on verse 3. Now the question is, back in Sefer Shmot, in Parsha B'Shalach, what was the Nisayon, what was the exact test of the man? Recall from the story of the man in Shmod that there were two laws that came with the man. Law number one, you can only take as much as you need day by day, and you can't hoard, or you can't take too much. And if you took too much, what happened? You learned the hard way, it got ruined. And God was teaching them, take only as much as you need, do not overtake. How did God teach them? First, he commanded them, only take as much as you need, an omer per person. And what happened if people did not listen to that command? It didn't help them at all because anyone who took too much, it only got wormy and ruined and did not do them any good. Therefore, after that happening over and over again, people decided it doesn't pay to take too much. The second test was not going out to collect on Shabbat. If it fell every day and we had double on Friday, people out of habit would also go out on Saturday on the seventh day. God commanded them, do not go out on the seventh day, to teach them that when it does come on the other six days of the week, it's from God, to teach them the concept of Shabbat, about resting on Shabbat. Of course, what happened on the first Shabbat? People went out to collect. What did they find? Nothing. And by the next week, they learned through experience, when God says, don't go out and collect because it's not going to fall, it pays to listen to God. As we'll see later on, this training experience is very similar to how we bring up children. Teach them by example and teach them by experience. I would like to go back to the first test of the man, which I think is the main educational experience of telling a nation of slaves who just came out of Egypt, who are starving, and all of a sudden there's food coming down from heaven. The natural reaction of normal people would be for every person to go out for himself and hoard as much as he can, because who knows what's going to fall tomorrow. And most people would take as much as they can, not as much as they need. Because we are about to arrive at Harsinai and receive the Torah, and enter this covenant with God to be his people, one of the first educational training experiences that God is testing the people to see if they're ready for, can we act as a nation? Can we as a people learn how to share? Because once we come to the land of Israel, as we're going to see later on in our study in chapter 8 in Sefer Dvarim, we're going to be in a good land. And Moshe is now warning the people, when you come to the land of Israel, and you will have as much as you need, don't let that prosperity go to your head and think you don't need God anymore. And don't let that prosperity make you selfish. Rather, take your prosperity and don't just say thank you, act thank you. And we'll see over and over again in the book of Zavarim, there'll be numerous laws that guide our national behavior and our personal behavior. What do we do 
with our extras? What do we do when we harvest our field and there are poor people and strangers and widows who do not have what to eat? And we will see later on many laws where I don't only have to say thank you to God, I have to act thank you. And that will be the type of behavior that will make a cessation that represents God. As we see as we continue our study of chapter 8, the theme of dangers of prosperity in the land of Israel and the danger of plenty will be a key theme. And therefore, I think it makes a lot of sense if we follow Ebenezer's understanding that Vayantcha Ve'arivecha, followed by Vachecha Taman, that the Ra'av, God starving us, was in order later to give us the man, not that eating the man itself was part of the suffering, but there was suffering in order to give us man, and the word Nisayon relates to that educational process. So with this in mind, let's continue our study. Now in chapter 8, verse 4, Pasuk Dalad, Simlatcha lo valtamelecha, braglcha lo vatseka, ze arbaim shana. The clothing you wore did not become tattered, and your feet did not become bruised for these last 40 years. Some parshim explain this was a miracle of the clothing that it did not get ruined. Other parshim explain that because the mana did not cause the people to sweat, as our bodies did not sweat as much, therefore our clothes lasted longer. See again commentaries of Ebenezer and Ramban. And note also how Rashi explains that the Ananei Kavod, the clouds of glory, served as a type of a laundry service that did both the cleaning and the ironing of our clothes. And considering that we were in the desert, it would take the meaning of dry cleaning to an ultimate extreme. We continue now in verse 5, Pasuke. You should know in your heart, or basically understand, that just like a father might chastise his child in order to educate him, so too your God is chastising you. There was once a time when parents wouldn't give children anything they wanted. They made children learn how to work for themselves. So what Moshe is doing here, he's using a parent-child relationship in order to explain to the people how to appreciate their suffering. I'll give another example. If you're a soldier and you really want to be in a top elite unit, you need to go through a very difficult training experience. And even though it's very difficult, you appreciate the difficulty because you understand and internalize that that suffering is how you become the soldier that you want to be. The same thing if someone goes through medical school. He knows how difficult the study will be and going through stage and residency, but he's willing to go through that suffering because he has a goal. He wants to be a good doctor. But from a child's point of view, when he's in school and has to take crazy classes in geometry and composition and grammar and doesn't appreciate the purpose of it all, for him, all that study is a burden and he complains about it all the time. And usually the younger the child, all they see is the suffering and they don't see the educational goal of the hard work. Moshe Rabbeinu, as their teacher, is trying to explain to the people, even though you've had a difficult experience, make sure you remember that experience and make sure you understand it as an educational one. Not that God hates you and loves to torture people, but rather he's doing it for your good, or his parents love to say, I'm punishing you because I love you. It's also interesting to note that earlier at the end of chapter one, when Moshe told over the story of the spies, he quoted the people as saying that this command to conquer the land is because God hates us. In chapter one, verse 27, the people said, that out of God's hatred for us, he took us out of Egypt in order to have us killed by the Amorites. When Moshe answers them, trying to explain to them, God is commanding you to conquer the country for your own good, he explains in verse 31 in chapter 1, 
Uvamidbar Ashareita, in this desert experience that you've seen, Ashir Nesaacha Adonai Lohecha, as Hashem, your God, has carried you, Kasher Yisai Ish et Bno, just like a father carries a son. So we see much earlier, Moshe is trying to explain to the people that the difficulties that you have and you don't understand is like a child not understanding how a father cares so much for the child, but out of love for the child. And because he cares, sometimes the child has to go through difficult experiences, but it's for his own good. Now we continue with the next section where Moshe will talk about the land of Israel, but listen carefully to the opening line. Pasek Vav, verse 6. Make sure to keep the commandments of Hashem your God, to walk in His ways, and to fear Him. This will be the first time we have the phrase, Lalechet Bidrachav, which means to walk in the ways of God. Again, a key phrase from Sefer Breshit. If you return to chapter 18, verse 19 in Sefer Breshit, we find one of the most important verses that explain in Sefer Breshit the underlying purpose for why God chose His people. There we're told in the story of Stom, before God and Avram Avinu have a discussion in regard to saving Stom and how many righteous people God has to find in Stom in order to give that city another chance, before that story begins, Chumash provides the reader with an important introduction. In chapter 18, verse 17, Chumash tells us that God had said to himself, Can I hide from Avram what I'm about to do? And then it says Avram is destined to become this great nation. And then in verse 19, it explains why. Ki dativ, because I came to know him, so that he would command his children and they their children, that they would follow the ways of God. And now we have the definition, what defines the ways of God? Doing justice and righteousness. In order that Hashem will bring about for Avram Avinu, just as he had spoken, to become this great nation that will sanctify God in the eyes of all the other nations. How is that accomplished? If the offspring of Avram Avinu, when they become this nation in their land, will act in a way that sanctifies God in their day-to-day -day life. And that will be by doing acts of Tzedakah Mishpat. Why is this phrase only found here for the first time? Because in the desert, when everyone has the same amount of food, and hence no one is really starving, because there's the same amount of food for everybody, and no one can get too wealthy, because you really can't make a living, you're all dependent on God, there isn't a problem of prosperity getting to your head. But now that we are about to enter the land of Israel, we're going to see, that is exactly what God is worried about. That prosperity leading to haughtiness, leading to forgetting God, leading to a life where you only care about financial gain and not caring about those who don't have. So it's specifically here, as we are about to enter the land and have the threat of that prosperity, that we need the phrase, Lalechet Bidrachav, because now that concept of emulating God and following His ways of being merciful and kind to those who are less fortunate, now we can begin to apply that concept. Pasuk Zion, verse 7. Ki Adonai Elohecha Leviacha El Eretz Tova Because Hashem your God is bringing you to a good land, Eretz Nachalei Maim, a land with streams of water, Ayonot Utomot Yotzim Babika Ubahar Brings and water from down below that comes out in the valleys and in the mountains. In the land of Israel, there are three types of water sources. I can dig a cistern in the ground, and when it rains, the water collects in that cistern. That's called a bore. 
I can also have a be'er where I dig a hole in the ground. It could be two meters, five meters, 20 meters until I hit the aquifer. And I'm pretty sure that is what Tohomot is referring to. That's the water in the aquifer underground that I can reach by digging a be'er. And then I have my note where the water comes out on its own, what we call a spring. So the land that you're coming to has many water sources that either come naturally or you can dig down to reach them. Pasachet, verse 8, Eretz chita u'so'ora, v'geven u'tena v'rimon, Eretz zeit shemen u'dvash. A land of wheat and barley, of grapes, of figs and pomegranates, of olive oil, or hence olive trees, and dvash, which means honey, but here it's referring to the honey that comes from dates, called dvash tamarim, and hence the palm tree. These are better known as the seven species that the land of Israel is blessed with. Pasek Eretz asher loba miskinut tochabah lechem, a land where you do not eat your food or bread in poverty. Nothing will be missing from it. You can understand this in two ways. It has everything you want or it has everything you need. I think the latter makes more sense. All the things that you need will be in that land. A land whose rocks have within it iron. You can find iron within its rocks. And from the hills, you can also quarry copper. In regard to Avaneha Barcel, some commentators hold that the rocks are so big and strong, they're strong like iron. Pasak Yud, the famous line in verse 10, You should eat and be satisfied. And then you must bless Hashem your God on the very good land that He's giving you. Based on this line, we learn in Masechet Brachot that we have to make a bracha before we eat and also after we eat. And just like in the desert, God provided food for us, lechem min hashamayim, in a miraculous way, bread coming down from heaven. Now when we work the ground on our own and plant our own fields and make our own bread, we still have to recognize that God made the system and we make the blessing, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Now the bread comes from the ground, but we treat it as though it's like manna, as though it's coming from heaven. Now this was all background for the next section that starts in verse 11, that God fears now, that when you come to the land and you have everything you need, you might think you don't need God anymore, that don't let that prosperity get to your head, because if it does, God will take it all away from you. Pasuket Aleph, verse 11. Be very careful, lest you forget Hashem your God. Lest you should not keep His commandments and judgments and statutes, that I'm commanding you today. What will lead a person to decide not to keep his laws? Pasak Yudbet, Pentocha Vesavata, lest you eat and become satisfied, Ubatim Tovim Tivne Vyashafta, and you build good houses and you live in them, Ubakarcha Vitsoncha Yibriyum, and your cattle and your sheep multiply, Vechesef Zahab Yirvelach, and you amass great amounts of silver and gold, Vecho Asher Lacha Yirbe, and everything you own will prosper. What's the danger? Pasuk Yudalit, verse 14. The Ram Levavecha, your heart might become haughty. V'shachachta Adonai Elohecha, that may lead you to forget Hashem your God. Hamotziacha me'eretz Mitzrayim mi'bet Abedin. The God who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And now we're going to go back and describe who this God was who took you out of Egypt. Pasuk Tedvav, verse 15. Hamolichacha b'amidbar ha'gadol v'hanorah. The God who led you through this great and terrible desert, 
נחש, שרף ועקרב בצמאון אשר אין מים, be snakes or vipers or scorpions and thirst. המוציא לך מים מצורך חלמיש, the God who provided water for you from a solid cliff. And then he continues in Pasek Tetzayin, verse 16, המאכלכם מן במדבר, the God who fed you manna in the desert, אשר לא ידון אבתיך, that none of your ancestors ever heard of such a thing, למן ענותך ולמן עשותיך, in order to afflict you, in order to test you, להיטיבך באחריתך for your own good at the end of the process. This is exactly what we talked about before. Moshe now is reminding them, based on what he said in his opening lines, in verses 1 through 5, the reason why God put you through that difficult experience in the desert is in order to prepare you for these dangers of prosperity when you come to the land of Israel. And then comes the build-up. What is the big fear? Pasek Yudzayin, verse 17, V'yamarta bilvavecha, you might say in your own heart, Kochi v'otzem yadi, asali et achaylazeh. My own strength and the greatness of my own hand made for me this great amount or this great wealth. Now, chayo here in its context is referring to a lot of produce. The word chayo means a lot of almost anything. A lot of soldiers is called a chayo. A lot of wealth is called a chayo. A woman who is multitasking, doing a lot of jobs and accomplishing a lot, is called an eshet chayo. Now, someone might think if it's so dangerous being wealthy, God should simply tell you, don't be wealthy. God's answer in verse 18 is key to understanding God's outlook and how we should live our lives. Pasuk Yudchet, verse 18, You must remember Hashem your God, He is the one giving you this ability and strength to make this wealth. In order to fulfill His covenant, that he swore to your forefathers, as is about to happen on this very day. God is not saying, therefore, be poor. God is saying you should be wealthy, but in your wealth, remember God. And therefore, in your wealth, make sure to remember those less fortunate. Make sure to give proper thanks to God, and not just say thank you again, act thank you, by keeping the mitzvot of Sefer Dvarim, which will be, as we explained earlier, living a life of tzedakah mishpat, of justice and righteousness, being godly, just like when you had no food to eat, God took care of you. When you emulate God and walk in His ways, you take care of those who don't have, just like God took care of you when you didn't have. This background can help us appreciate the holiday of Sukkot when we are commanded to remember the desert experience. We don't remember what happened, that God took care of us, but we need to remember why it happened. Why did God put us through the desert experience? It was to train us for the dangers of prosperity. Therefore, when are the dangers of prosperity the greatest? During Chag HaSif, during our fruit harvest season, at the end of the agricultural year. Therefore, specifically during Chag HaSif, when we are at the height of our prosperity, and the fear of becoming haughty in that prosperity is the greatest, God commands us to leave our homes and live in Sukkot to remember not only that God took care of us in the desert, but why He put us through this educational experience. Now, in the last two lines of chapter 8, we have the opposite side if we don't listen. Pasuk Yotet, verse 19, And should come to pass, should you forget Hashem your God, you follow other gods, and you bow down and serve them, I am warning you today that you will be totally annihilated. Pasuk verse 20, 
just like those nations that God is destroying before you, that is what God will do to you. Should you not listen to the voice of Hashem your God? As we mentioned in yesterday's share, here we have the word Ekev closing this unit that began at the beginning of Parshat Ekev. If you listen, God will bless you. But we explain that the reason why God is blessing you and enabling you to conquer the land is in order that you keep the mitzvot. And therefore, if you don't keep these mitzvot, there'll be no reason for God to help you. God will take away that prosperity and do to you what you're supposed to do to those nations, and you'll be scattered and destroyed. In tomorrow's share, we continue Moshe Rabbeinu's speech, where he will bring up another danger that Amisra may face when they come and conquer the land of Israel.